welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz. I am your host, Danny Katz. I am an author, journalist, and a quantum languaging coach and consultant. What that means is that I teach people how language programs consciousness, how language programs reality at large, and how to transform reality and evolve our consciousness with language. I've also been known to cultivate and share an opinion or two or 12 about culture and consciousness and how they are evolving, devolving, and being manipulated by the powers that were. Here at Word Up, we are devoted to fostering critical thinking while supporting you in becoming your most authentic, empowered, liberated, realized, amazing version of yourself. Our every show aims to expand your consciousness, raise your frequency, sharpen your critical thinking skills, and make you giggle. (laughs) And think. Given the radical uptick in censorship over the past few years, combined with the complete co-opting slash decimation of my own personal industry, journalism, I started Word Up to have a free speech-friendly platform in which to engage exploratory, solutions-based conversations with visionaries, mystics, original thinkers, and rebel badasses who are helping to make the world more wonderful. The first half of my interviews run between 30 to 90 minutes and are always posted here for free public listening. The second halves are reserved for paid supporters on my Patreon and my Locals platforms, where for as little as $5 a month, you can access all of my second half conversations along with oodles of other bonus content and opportunities to drop in with me, to drop in with our High Vibe tribe, and lots of other awesome things. In addition to interviews, Word Up also features quantum languaging upgrades, planetary service announcements, and propaganda analysis, which I call Spot the Propaganda. Thank you so much for tuning in and for sharing your sacred attention with me and our high vibe tribe of change makers. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you can stay abreast of our every episode. Thank you for also clicking the like button, for sharing far and wide, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As well, if you are gleaning any value whatsoever from these shows, consider supporting me on Locals and or Patreon. And as you are wanting to learn more about my quantum languaging coaching and consulting services or nab copies of my books, find me on dannycats.com as well as on quantumlanguaging.com. Okay, I think that's it for our housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Hey, superstars, welcome back to not only another episode of Word Up with Danny Katz, it is our first episode of 2023, and I am over the moon to be joined by meta time expert extraordinaire, Michael Wan. This is Michael's third, fourth time back on the show, and we dropped into 
genealogy, secret societies, what a post-conspiracy society looks like and what our role in post-conspiracy society is. It was a super fun conversation. Buckle up, prepare to enjoy my rocking dialogue, my first interview of the year with Mr. Michael One. Now I'm on mute. <gasps> He's here. You would think after all of the Zoom Zoom events I've done, I would learn the techniques. You would think, but you can always blame it on Mercury retrograde. I don't, but I could. Right. It feels like it's not. Do you ever blame Mercury retrograde for anything? Never, never. Uh Never once in my life would I do that, but that's me. That's that's me. I blame that on user error completely. But it's also a sense of pride because if I was really good at it, well, then like you know, I don't like what that looks like either. So I might actually be purposefully poor on Zoom just so I don't get acclimated to the new world which is being laid out for us. How about that? That sounds good. I totally respect that. And you, I think you and I talked about this like a long time ago where I, I, I said like everything I do is just a little bit janky. Like I don't want to raise the bar too high. So I think it's good to like keep the microphone on mute a little bit. Got to throw in errors here and there. Well, you, well, I mean, there the are two ways. So there's one is the you got to keep it like that to keep them always guessing, right? Because what they're trying to do is they're trying to predict all of our movements and thoughts as How they're trying to feed it. So, right. so there's that. And then there's also the fact is like, I don't want to get that good at Zoom. I'm with you. I don't either. All right. How I'm are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. I know lots, lots of change, lots of lots of movement. Okay, catch us up to speed on um, this latest transitioning of Mr. Michael One. Do we? I mean, I feel like I want to. Like, can we walk? Let's 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 ease into that. I'm not like. There's some people. Let me ask you this. I think this says a lot about an individual. Like, there's some people who go to the edge of the pool and they'll just jump right in. And then there's some people who are like really take their time. And then there's a third group of people who like to push the people who like to take their time in. And that could be like, that could be, that could be, that could be like, that person could be either in both camps as well. So my question to you is like, what do you do at the pool? Um, I'm generally a jump in type. Per- I would never push anyone because that's so wrong use of will. And my keyword for 2023 is easy which also incorporates slow and languid and mosey and coasting and going with the flow. So if you want to take that capital M masculine and decide that we're going to slowly mosey our way into this conversation, I'm all game. Okay, we'll do that. I definitely take my time (laughs) in the cold water, in the cold water. There's certain things I jump right in, but water, I got to go slow. So you never jump right in. I mean, I've done it occasionally. I do it. I do it when I have done it, when my pride and ability to put myself in an uncomfortable situation has been put on the line. And I mm-hmm. do it out of spite, but never out of pure joy. <laughs> For me, I get a lot of times I'll get the feedback that like I'm brave or courageous. And okay. What that means for me is like, I don't like dealing with fear in my mind. So I want to get to the other side as quickly as possible. So if it's like a 
20 degree lake, I'm going to jump in first and quickly so that I don't have to mind fuck myself about how cold it's going to be. Uh, all right. Let's, let's start with this. Cause I like this conversation. Um, uh, I, I, I think I've, we, we approach it, may, maybe we have different motivators, but it's the same behavior because there are things which I'm like, okay, I'm not going to allow that, um, like fear or like, I don't want to do it. Stop me from doing something for that alone. So I push myself in things I wouldn't do just because I don't want to allow that to have more control of me, which if yeah. someone really knows me, they can manipulate the hell out of me by playing those games. But the one place, I mean, maybe the one place that I'm thinking specifically, which I do not feel comfortable where that, where that rule, which I just laid out goes out the door and it's with the water with cold water like i want to i i like the ocean like it like it's embarrassing how long it takes me to get in the ocean i just do it just because i'm tired of just like look like the children are looking at me like are you ever going to get in are you just going to stand there on your knees all day long i'm like okay all right i gotta get hotter i need to get hotter but it's the cold water that's Ocean's the one a thing little bit different because then you also have like the tide and the undertow and then what kind of deadly predators are lurking around my ankles. So I that's might have never crossed my mind. That's ne but I think it's different in the Pacific because the the tides are the the undertow is the undertow is stronger the generally speaking and colder in the Pacific than the Atlantic, correct? The Pacific is a deadly ass kicker of an ocean. Yeah. All I'm ever thinking about is like in which way is it going to kill me today? Gotcha. Okay. So I don't, I've been in the Pacific. I think the last time I was in the Pacific ocean, I may have been 12. I've got lots of like Atlantic and like, you know, soft Caribbean sea. Like I can do that. Oh, the Caribbean. I mean, I, I'm such a diehard West coast girl and I, I can like easy slip into like that, that West coast is the best thing, but the Pacific is my least favorite ocean. I'm not, I'm not into it. Gotcha. It looks nice. It looks nice when film. I'll say that. Yeah, maybe they're photoshopping it or something. It's maybe like they're photoshopping dirty it they and angry and polluted and mean. So, so I'll go. I'll go loop this back to where we began. So it's like this. idea we were talking, or at least I was interested in talking about this idea of. Um, like motivation and and often like I find myself. Uh, I guess it would be like inversion motivation. Like the fact that I won't, I won't allow the, the, like, I don't like it or I'm intimidated by it or anything like that. That's the most, that's my biggest motivator. Uh, and all of that is just my own, like, kind of like my mind fuck because I want to have this idea that I can't be intimidated or, or what have you. But I mean, obviously that's not the truth. I just try not to allow that to stop. Now, would you call yourself like because you because you said at the beginning, you're like you've got a reputation or like people would think that about you, that you're like really brave or you're really like. But it's but but my sense is is like you also want to push up against you don't want it's more so the limitation of something that would be scary would be stopping you and you don't want to be in that you don't you don't want to be controlled by that, even if it's by yourself. Yeah, I kind of can't stand that feeling. But at the same time, it's a guiding force for me. Like if I feel fear or trepidation, I have to do it. Um, okay. but because I don't like what that does to my mind. I want to do it as quickly as possible to get to the other side. So like in gymnastics, right, right. when, it, you know, it would be like, 
we train all summer vaulting into the pit. And then when the season came, it was like, no, now you're vaulting onto the mat where you could break your net and, and die. And everyone would be like, oh, who's going to go first? And I would like cut to the front of the line and just go while they were talking about it. Cause I don't, I, I can't handle that much mental mind fuckery for too long. So like when I, when skydiving, I go first, when I do psychedelics, I'm like, give me 12 times as much. So I don't have to have the mental chatter. All right. So there's not harnesses for the vault. I would think that there would be harnesses. These days there probably are, but back then it was just like straight up medieval torture. All right. All right. Okay. Like imagine like Romania in 1960, what were they doing? Like my guess is like you either get executed or you'd become a gymnast or die trying to become one. And you get stronger. Like Emily broke her neck. Like we all broke things. Oh yeah. Like we would, we would crash, land on your head, couldn't breathe. And it was like, did they break their neck? Are they going to die this time? That was kind of every day in the gym. I don't think it's like that anymore. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're, they're too soft and they're too, they've got too many of the, the contraptions to help. How about this? How much pain can you handle? Uh, too, way too much. Okay. I got that too. I can hear, I, I have a, a really, really high threshold of pain. Yeah. So do you find, I find it dangerous that I can handle so much pain because I don't realize that things aren't serving me or aren't aligned or shouldn't be this painful because I can handle it. Are we talking emotional pain now or are we talking physical pain or both? I mean, is there a difference? All of the above. (laughs) All of the above. I think you're either, you're either the, you're either a a masochist is the one who likes the pain, right? Or in the sadist likes to give it. I always get that backwards. I'm coming to terms with the fact that I'm probably, I have aspects of both. I would, I I could see. (laughs) I certainly, I don't think that I give, I dish out a lot of pain, but I think there may be people who would argue that point with me. And and again, are we talking emotional pain? I don't know. I don't know. You can go either way. You go either way. This is family show. <laughs> um, do you see downsides to your high tolerance for pain? Do I see um yeah, uh yes, yes. Um um I also see upsides. I mean the downside is um not necessarily like maybe I think this is what you said, like not necessarily recognizing when something's not serving you is and is actually harming you. Yeah. Um, and a lot, and the pain thing goes hand in hand with what we talked about earlier, which is like, or at least I did about uh, not wanting to be intimidated. Like how, like, I'm not going to be, I, I, I'm not going to be pushed around by fear or intimidation or threat of pain or something like that. Um, so from the combination of those two, like, yeah, I, that probably, like in some ways, like, you know, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah, there's a truth to that. And then there's a lot of things like, wow, I probably could have avoided a whole bunch of shit. Totally. Did you see that as part of your like project programming? I know different people had different, you know, like sex was used to control and and that kind of trauma-based mind control. I think in my case, it was all pain and like physical, physiological torture. Uh, Mine, I... um uh maybe a little bit of everything but definitely um uh psychological emotional discomfort (sighs) 
And have you since transmuted that? Or like, how do you work know. with that now as a grown-up? Um, how do I work with that as a grown-up? Um, and do you I identify would say as that a grown-up? I'm sorry? Do you identify say as a that again. Do you identify as a grown-up? Do I identify? Yes, that's my pronoun. My pronoun is grown-up. Okay, grown awesome. Up. You could call me grown-up. <laughs> grown uh, I guess, I get. Um, so I, I I would think the ability, particularly nowadays, like where we are um, in, in, in life and in culture and reality right now, um, like I think people who can handle a lot of like psychological and emotional discomfort um like aren't really having did not have in some ways uh a lot of the changes were not that big of a deal um so stuff like that it served me um i've been in a lot of like um unusual situations where uh being it's not even like, I don't even like something like, like, and this is a real simple thing. Like not, I, I can understand conceptually how walking into a party by oneself and not knowing anyone could be really intimidating to some people or walking into a bar. Um, I really like those sort of like, like uncomfortable social situations. Um, like I'm a really social person, um, but I like to be, uh, I don't like to go to bars with people, but I'll go to a bar by myself where I don't know anyone. And like, usually like a dive bar, like that's my favorite. And I just like, will sit there, like, just like the, just like the weirdo. <laughs> like, and, and so that could be, I guess, to some people uncomfortable to me, it's not. Uh, but yeah, uh, maybe I've been in, in relationships longer than I should have been, which, which have been uncomfortable. Uh, that's probably something which hasn't served me, but like, you know, who's to define serves or not serves. Totally. I mean, I think in that instance, the way I see it, and my guess is that this would apply to as well, is that like, I've expanded the boundaries of my comfort zone pretty wide. So it takes mm. me longer to realize that something isn't comfortable because of that capacity. And I see that in relationships for yeah, sure. That, that's, a, that's a good way to like how I, I think that's a, how it's how I how it's affected me as a grown up is that like it's the, the tolerance for discomfort ha is enormous. Yeah. And I think that's a superhero power. I also I think it's think. interesting that you said that you do identify as a grown up. Um, because I think one of the, for me, one of the defining um, capabilities that discerns a child from a grown up is the ability to be by oneself and be comfortable. And I okay. definitely think that entails going to parties by oneself, going to restaurants, going to bars, um, and being confident in that. And plus, like, I just think it's more fun to go to social events by myself because I can be anything I want to. I can stay as long as I want. I can be a freak. I can be a wallflower. Like, there's mm. just more freedom in how I choose to show up. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I want to go back to the 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 the, the grown-up identification. Um, that probably comes from the fact that you know, as a father. And so that's a, that's a role which I take very responsive. I take, I, there, I, I take very seriously that responsibility um, 
not just with my own children, but with all children. Uh, so like, that would be kind of like the grown up. Like I, I, I've a very, I relate very, very well to chit. I mean, this, this is the litmus test. This is the litmus test of any human being, children, animals, and old people, because you can't bullshit any of them. And if you can, if you as a general human being can, can connect with all three of those groups, well, you know, that says something at least about authenticity. Um, but, but I relate very, very well with, with young people and with children. Um, but I certainly do that. Like I show up, like I'm a freaking grown up and you're a child. And I read, like, I don't treat you. Like I, I understand in my mind, I think I have a very clear understanding of what that dynamic is. And that's not like a, a power dynamic as much. I mean, it is a little bit, but not so much like you do what I say sort of power dynamic. Um, but from that idea in terms of, um, the continuum, I mean, I also, I, I value, like, if you're older than me, particularly if you're like a decade older than me, like off the bat, I'm just going to have to, re I respect you. Like, just cause you got like more mileage when you're tires. I know we don't like to use the age thing, but they've got more experience in this body skin. And so it's like, I, like, I, I, I think that there's a value. I, I value that at least within, you know, just being here is not easy. And if you've done that, um, uh, you know, there's, there's a, a respect, which I, which I would give someone and I hold that within myself. It's like, you know, I've got experience and I, and I've earned it, you know, I've earned my scars, like scars. I love scars. Yeah. Like those are the best parts of my <laughs> Yeah, this is funny. Those are the best parts of my body. <laughs> well, I like scars because it goes back to authenticity. And it's like, this is the story of my earth walk. And it also yeah. indicates like courage and like putting ourselves in uncomfortable situations to have earned those scars. I have a lot of scars. And um, in my 20s, I was dating this like Swedish playboy supermodel. And he was just Sounds like, awesome. Give me his number. That kind of good looking that's just like ridiculous, like over the top um, and everyone wanting a piece of him and uh, not to be too graphic, but like we dated a couple too times. Graphic. It was our first time fooling around and he saw my scar. Like 80s, right? I'm not, I don't have that many sunspins. <laughs> um, but the first time he saw my scars, it was like, it was like the heavens parted and it was like law and he loved me like a thousand times more. Like the scars were the thing for him that mm. like really pushed him towards me. We ended up dating for five and a half years and I don't think it would have happened without the scars. Scars say a lot, of, but particularly, I mean, I'll just speak from my perspective of like being a man is like when you like, like a, like a, a pretty woman with scars, like there's something about that dichotomy, which is, which is quite, you know, it's, it's that, that polarization, that magnetism, right? So now I'm curious, where's your scar? What is your, what, is, what is your Swedish, what is the square? You don't have to show it. You don't have to show it. I had a breast reduction. Ah, so, so they're that big. under the breast. Like you don't have to show me that, but now I'm trying to picture. <laughs> yeah, let, let me slash the whole world. It's um under and then up and then around. But I'm also a chelator, so my scars are all like. I don't know what a chelator is. 
So chelation is like where the scars get kind of like mottled and extra thick. I love this because anyone who ever watched my show who may have had a crush on me, like now they're gone. Um, it's a lot. I don't know. I just told you, like people like scars. They might be even more intrigued. It's a lot of scars. Plus all the ones from gymnastics, you know, like four operations on my wrist and a couple on my ankle and like all of those. All right. I'm going to, can I, I'm going to tell you, uh, I've had stitches. I've only, I've had stitches three times. All right. Okay. And, um, and they're all, they all, <laughs> they're all tied to my mother in a weird psychological, like shaping my inner world sort of way. Tell, do tell. Let's unpack this. All right. So let's see the first, the first one I have, can you see this like right on the bridge of my nose? Like oh, if I go cute. like that, you can see that line right there. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. So that was from, so they called me as a child. My, my name was Kiefer. They called me Kiefer. Is that your given name? No, I don't know why they call me Kiefer, but uh, the, so anyway, so, so, so little, so little baby Kiefer, that would be me. Um, takes his first steps, right? Very exciting. Like baby takes first step. Look, it's baby Kiefer. He's taking his first step. Bam, right into a coffee table. Split right here. Blood like just pouring down. First steps? That's first so step. major. Like just think of it. I Put mean that juxtaposition together. What's mom doing to baby? Right. Like on one hand, like I'm so excited because baby's walking showing like stepping into the world on the other hand like holy shit like baby steps into the world and like this happens right like first attempt towards like independence autonomy faceful blood all right faceful blood all right number two this like when i when i when i start to like look at this like as a as a as a continuation of a story like i'm like okay this is and and I think this may tie into like a lot of the other things which we were talking about earlier in terms of like emotional discomfort and stuff like that. So I'm five or six years old. And I I was born, <laughs> I was born in Columbia, Maryland. All right. And I want to go there, like maybe we'll bring that up a little bit later in this conversation uh, okay. because it's interesting because of its its relationship to the NSA and the Maryland Psychiatric Research Center. It's like right in the middle, right when they're doing all their types of projects on young children. But anyway, so yes, I'm five so years old. Definitely bookmark that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, five years old, we moved from Columbia, Maryland to Richmond, Virginia. Mm -hmm. And this is probably, I, this has got to be mid-70s, okay? okay? And so mid-70s, cell phones, zero except for time travelers. If you're not a time traveler, you have no cell phone. Mm -hmm. So we move in there. Um, for whatever reason, I don't think my father was part of the move. Like he was, it was like, it was done for his job, but he wasn't there that first night, like moving trucks, like they did all that sort of stuff. And we move into the house. It was me, my sister. And my mother, I'm five years old. And for some reason, I'm sleeping in a bed, my bed, in my bedroom. And the room isn't, I guess, all set up. And there's a nightside table. And on my, my childhood furniture, because my parents, not learning from this experience, decided to get me 
furniture with brass reinforced corners. So like, imagine like, it's kind of like a cube and on that cube, there's like brass all around. So it's like really, really sharp. And somehow I fall out of the bed and somehow my leg gets caught in this like corner and there's this huge gash. Like the scar is ridiculous on my leg, but it happens like it maybe in the middle of the night, no telephone, no telephones hooked up in the house no cell phone, my father's not there, and we don't know the neighbors yet. And it's like the middle of the night. And my mom doesn't know how where the hospital is, can't call like an ambulance. And there I am like, you know, is like a young child bleeding and screaming on the first night of our move. You have this thing with the firsts. Like it's the so first. interesting. Yeah, the, the, the timing of these gashes. Right, like, and I don't remember, I only know those stories because that's like part of family history. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a very good chance. Like, I mean, I, I'm open to possibilities. I go by probabilities, but I'm open to possibilities. So it's very possible that the stories I told you have just been post-hypnotic implants placed from, <laughs> but I don't think that's the case. I don't think right. it's the case. I think it really did happen. So then the third thing that happened, this was, I may have been a soft, I think I was a sophomore. No, I was a freshman. I was a freshman in high school. And so I used again, to again with these firsts, mm -hmm. freshman, first year of high school. So, so this, so it's freshman. And so this was, it was an interesting high school. So um, I'd since moved back to Columbia. So this is really weird. Born in Columbia, lived there for a handful of years, moved to Richmond, moved, lived there for a handful of years, moved back to Columbia. And then I went to college in Richmond, which for whatever reason. So, yeah, okay. I don't know. Um, so I was back in Columbia. I went to like middle school, like other people went to. And in my eighth grade, so in ninth grade is when high school began, um, there was a change of school districting. Okay. Which I don't, you know, I don't think happens very often, but I mean, I didn't know at the time because it's just like, you know, it's just like a middle school kid. And was I had to do doing all the busing to like kind of redistribute the classes. That was I, such a big thing. And like, late 70s 80s. I, i'm not i'm, I'm not the prob so columbia's different the entire all of columbia was a large scale um social sciences experiment like i mean it was real like people really lived there and they had like real lives but like the setup like when i mean this is the conclusion i came based upon all of the research following the money my experience growing up there seeing its location seeing who the people involved like it's a pretty easy conclusion to reach but so i don't know if this was part of that or not mm -hmm. uh whatever it was. So I went from, from eighth grade to all of a sudden I had to go to a different high school and in my like, kind of like social group, I suppose, like uh, all of my friends were going to the high school. I always thought I was going to go to, and I was going to go to this other high school. So I'm going to a high school and I don't know anyone. Mm. Right. Well, actually, uh, so in that, I guess, August, like I, I played soccer and that was a, that's a fall sport in the East coast. I don't know if it is like other places, it's different. So that would mean that in before school began, there was like tryouts for the team and all that sort of stuff in August. And this was before school started, before I became like a freshman, an official freshman. And it was, it was like uh, one of like the preseason or whatever practices and it was rainy out, blah, blah, blah. And you know, the in-grounds um, sprinklers? 
Like it's kind of like flat. So all of the, because the ground was all wet and muddy, like that kind of like the ground got down underneath it. And somehow that got underneath my kneecap. Right. In this like, kind of like, yeah, like, yeah, it's like one of those things. So Mm -hmm. I'm taken, I'm taken to the emergency room. I'm taking the emergency room and I remember my mother walks in into the emergency room. She wasn't there. She was called in to go to it. And I wasn't under anesthesia. They just gave local. And what they had to do because it was so covered with mud, they were just like cleaning out to see the, the depth of the thing. And my mom walks in and she's got this look of horror on her face because she sees her child. She sees her child who took his first step and she's got looks of horror. And on his first night in Richmond and like with blood everywhere, looks of horror. And now like a week before his first day in high school, my parents did not want me to go to that high school, something fierce. It was like a bad kid's school. Mm -hmm. And there I was covered in blood and she had this look of horror and I had to yell, get out. Cause I could not stand the way she was looking at me. Right. Like way to exacerbate the situation with like more fear, more emotion. You're just right. trying to keep it together. It's a great Mother's Day card. Thanks, mom. Thanks. So anyway, so I guess so. So let's go into and tie this whole thing together because it's 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 certainly linked like in terms of like um, psychological, emotional uh, discomfort, physical pain, being able like despite that to like, OK, I'm not. I'm not letting that like stop me moving forward. Like you could see each one of those things, but there's like, there's a real like kernel of like something there. How does, I mean, how has this shaped your relationship with your mother or what does this tell us about your relationship with your mother? Uh, what, how has that shaped? I've always been close with my mother. Okay. My, 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 um, if I want to go by an astrological model, I should have a very, very unhealthy relationship with my mother. I have a 12th house moon, which implies like a really unhealthy relationship. And it's squared Mars. And I've got like a like all these things that point to like there's like a lot of mother shit going on. Right. Um, and I've thought about that. I'm like, I don't I don't know if I would describe that as my relationship with my mother. And then I'd be like, or would I? You know, maybe like I have a different definition of what I think an unhealthy relationship is. I don't know, but I know that these things have happened. So there's that. So now I'm going to link this. Now we're going to, now we're getting, now we're going to get really good. So you also brought up the question, like, well, how did this fit into your programming, Michael? Michael, when you were a project in projects, how did this fit your program? So I don't know about that because a lot of that's been like, been, been erased. Right. But I'm going to tell you this. This is, this is an actual, factual, true account of the history of, of at least my mother. It was before I was born. Uh, um, you're, are you, how familiar, let me j- just generally speaking, like how familiar are you with the history of like um, government sponsored, military sponsored uh, drug trials on citizens and people like that? Like MK Ultra stuff and like the Department of Defense and all of that. Do you have any other? 
Yeah, let's go with not very so you can catch us up to speed. Okay, so so one of the more well-known, um, well-documented of these of these uh, experiments, long-term experiments, was at Edgewood Arsenal. This took place in the sixth, I think, like maybe even late fifties to early seventies. Okay. Like they were doing lots of um, uh, lots of uh, I, I, I'm pretty certain that it was psychedelics and it was like cannabis and like you know that's just what they tell you about. My mother was the secretary of one of the top scientists who was running those experiments. Whoa. Whoa. And I didn't find that out until 10 years after doing like research, like all into conspiracy and mind control. And I'm talking to my dad about it. And my mom just kind of like floats by this, like she drops this little bomb. She's like, oh yeah, I used to be. And I'm like, what? I'm like, mom, like, mom. (laughs) They, They always test on the children of the admins. Holy shit. Yeah. So when you say that to your mom, is she open to it? Or does it, does she just like go into that like maternal protective, like, no, that never happened. You're crazy. Um, she's got a good sense of humor and she's got a real good, like we've got like a, a lot of the things which a lot of the ways which I see reality do not necessarily line up to how she sees reality. And that's not necessarily a point of friction. Like we we meet that in a nice, like in kind of like a fun way. And nice. so it was met, it was met that way, like not too seriously. But then at the same time, she's like, Well, I don't remember. That's and- the key. And and so so that's so now we're going to go like one 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 layer deeper. My mother, for as long as I can remember, has always talked about her memory. Like has always questioned her memory. I don't remember this. I don't remember that. Like things like that. Um, I never, you know, as her her son growing up, I never thought like, you know, I'm like, what do you mean, mom? Like, you know, I don't notice that. But I know, but I recall in my in my upbringing that that was part of her normal sort of like talk track. Um, in light of what she's saying, and then particularly now, like she's certainly um, uh, memory has become has become a bigger issue in her life. Uh, my my guess, like looking at things in terms of like probabilities, I don't I don't necessarily I'm not saying for certain that there was something because I was the child of my mother who was a secretary who then seemingly stayed within the military industrial complex throughout her career, uh, you know, never really left that despite the fact that she worked for different organizations. Um, they're going to wipe her memory. Right. And if they're going to wipe your memory a bunch of time, there's probably residual effect. And that residual effect is going to show up in someone saying like, I don't know, there's something just kind of off with my memory. Interesting. So it's like one of those, like, I don't know how big that blind spot is. Right. And and it's something I've never really pushed. um, But I've always held that in terms of like part of the... um, the case, you know, to figure out like what the hell happened when I was growing up. Uh, Like that's certainly like, you know, I've got a, I've got a big wall with like names and like lines and 
like connecting everything and that's certainly on it like you know mom's memory and stuff like that right right um for my 18th birthday my dad sent me a videotape of the manchurian candidate and it didn't line up like, like the JFK. That would be the JFK version, right? When he or JFK, uh, Frank no, the Sinatra. original. Yes. Yeah, that was Frank Sinatra. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Not JFK. I got that confused because they were body doubles. Right. So it didn't. Um, <laughs> it didn't line up. Like I knew there was like tons of, you know, the torture and the weird things that happened, and there were like things that happened growing up that I was just like didn't make sense that my dad would do those things. Like it just didn't line up with his person. And then growing up like a Jewish when American. You say do those things. Do you mean like behaviors or like job or? No, behaviors towards me that was just like, what the fuck? Like, why would someone behave like that? It just didn't line up in the, the positions I was put in. And, um, you know, like after, like I would work out in gymnastics, like six, six hours a day. I would come home and my dad would give these, give me these massages. They were not sexual at all. My dad did not violate me sexually, but they were incredibly painful. And I was little and I'd be like, ow, that hurts. And you'd be like, you need to take it. Don't be a candy ass. And I like, I think that was kind of part of it. And then growing up a Jew Jewish American princess, like I got good presents, you know, like I got good birthday presents. So when for my 18th birthday, I got this VHS tape of Manchurian candidate, I was just like bratty and like, what the fuck is this? And I did not realize my dad died when I was in college, but I didn't put it together until a couple of years ago. Like, oh, he was trying to tell me something. And then I talked to a few different- At like, your 18th birthday? 18th birthday. And that's all you got? That's that all I like got. That was it. And I was at college, so he mailed it to me. No card, nothing. Just Was the there any explanation? Did you get None. on the phone? None. Okay. We just kind of ignored it. And then I realized after talking to a few different people about this over the past couple of years, that he wasn't trying to tell me about my programming. He was trying to tell me about no. his programming. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so in terms of memory wiping, he had enough awareness to send me that clue. Right, all right, all right. Can, can we get weird now? <laughs> we haven't yet. <laughs> sure, let's get weird. That, that was that was just like you know that to me to me that's like that's like cocktail hour conversation. Like that's just... <laughs> right. I have no I have no perspective on what weird is because exactly 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 exactly. Uh, and and it's kind of fun because when you surround you, I mean, this is just a slight pivot. When you only surround yourself with people who just talk about like all of the things which none of the other people talk about, you don't realize that other people don't talk that. And then, and like, they look at you uh, in a way, which is, which is like, I can't believe you're, you're, you're mentioning that, but that's why like normal people are like people who are around normal people like to talk to probably you and like to talk to me because it's refreshing because they can say anything and like, you ain't going to shock nobody. Um, all right. Totally. Yeah. I have no, a friend of mine, this was years ago in LA um, he like did an intervention and he was like, you can't just talk to random people about all the crazy shit going on in your head all the time. Like you can't walk into a party and start talking about stuff like that. And I'm like, of course I can. I don't think, I don't think you can handle me, but like, yes, that's how I operate. I'm, I, I talk about the weird shit. 
But he's very disturbed by it. If, if you're cute enough and you got enough scars, anyone they're gonna listen to you no matter what they say. Like that, like that, like you get a, you get away with a lot of stuff just on that level in our in our society. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So we began this conversation, or we began, yeah, this conversation. You were asking, you were like, well, well, walk me through the 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 transitions, which the latest transitions, the latest chapter. Right. Yes, yes. So now we're going to go there, but this is a good setup um, for it. Um, so how do I want to go and 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 set this up? So I'm going to do a little bit of a of a refresher. Okay. Um, last year, um, last year was re- was probably the most unusual year in my personal life, and it kicked off with me giving this presentation to the Freemasons which then moved, which immediately like uh, the relationship I was in, like imploded the next day. And three days later, I found myself living in Baltimore, right? Mm-hmm. That's what kicked it off. And in my time in Baltimore, like a lot of things happened, but one of the things which was most um, unexplainable to me as the main character in the movie was how did all of this serendipitous events bring me to a house which was one mile away from where my mother was raised and where her mother was and like all this sort of stuff. And I was always intrigued by the concept of um, my mother's mother uh, in the, I guess like the forties, fifties and sixties. And it was, much more commonplace than it is nowadays that that like women would get shipped off to mental hospitals. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother was one of those. And it was in Baltimore. And I, I'm very aware of like the correlation between mental hospitals in this time period and different types of MK Ultra testing and stuff like that. And also in this general area is where what's known as um, uh, what is called the the Maryland Psychiatric Research Center is was. Are you familiar with the Maryland Psychiatric Research Center? No. So, uh, do you know who Stan Graf is? Stan Graf yeah. or Stan Graf? Okay, Stan Graf. so yeah, yeah, holotropic yeah. breathing. So totally. he was before he went to Esalen. So his job before he started getting into that world was he was head of psychiatric research for the Maryland Psychiatric Research Center. And he employed fresh off of like a five year stint in the Caribbean dosing dolphins on LSD, a young John Lilly. So John Lilly and Stan Groff are running the friggin' show of the Maryland Psychiatric Research Center. This is like, this is where my whole family is. This is where they all grew up. And so like, I'm aware of all of this. Like I've got all all these like data points I told you on this wall. So that happened. So I'm just thinking about all this. I mean, how did I get here? I had like artwork, which I've done, which like 10 years ago, which lines up too accurately. Like what's going on? What's going on? Okay. So that happens. And then I find myself, I moved to Nome countryside. I moved to Nome countryside in Southern Lancaster. Um, and I'm living in, I'm surrounded by, by Amish farms. It was, it was a complete, uh, uh, like I went from fish out of water, water of, of West Baltimore to fish out of water, being the fish out of water in, 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 um, 
in Amish paradise. It's literally like this. Like, do you remember the the Coolio song "Gangsters Paradise"? And um, it was based upon the movie. It's like, and then Weird Al Yankovic did a a, a parody of it, "The Amish Paradise." So, yes. like, I did that. Like, that was my life. I went from Gangsters Paradise to Amish Paradise. And the most interesting thing was the week in between. I met Paradise Gray. Do you know who Paradise Gray is? No. Paradise Gray is considered like the 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 historian of the golden age of hip hop. Okay, cool. Okay, so like Wait, he when was like, the golden age of hip hop? Like nineteen eighties, like you know, like uh, Big Daddy Kane, like you know, cool. Like, yeah, there we go, there we go. So this is the guy. He was. Uh, what was the name? Anyway, I met him at this thing, which I, I mean, it was crazy, but I'm like, I'm like Paradise Gray and Amish Paradise, like all that, like I'm watching this unfold. And I, I, I think I shared with you like the speech I wrote about um, for the guy I was staying with and like how it tied into the, the alchemist and all this stuff. So all that's happening, I'm just like watching it live in my life. I'm like, this has just been a crazy year. So, okay. Now into like, that was just the setup to where we are, where I am right now. Okay. So early December, it was right on my birthday. So it was, it was Happy my birthday, birthday, by the way. Thank you. Well, I mean, that was a while ago. Your birthday's coming up, right? It is. And you're a year older today than you were last year. So happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. You're a technician. <laughs> so uh, it kicked off for me last year because there was an eclipse on my birthday. And like, that's when the invitation from the Freemasons came, surprise party, all that. So the birthday this year. Um uh, I get invited, I get invited to this, um, dinner party. All right. And I, I did something during the day. And, and so I go up to this dinner party and, um, and I'm in the house and it turns out the house was built in set in the 1790s. And when I, I came into the house, when it was still dark out, it's in a, a like a, a, a farm at maybe about 90 minutes from where I was in Lancaster. And it was dark out. I couldn't see the house. And I was kind of intrigued. I'm like, this house was built in the 1700s. Let me go walk, look around. Let me go in. Can I go in the basement? That was the first question. I want to see your attic. I want to see your basement. Are you looking for treasures or is it the structure? Always. Okay. But the treasures means a whole bunch of stuff. I want to go. Yeah. Oh, I'm definitely not looking at the structure, but I am looking to see if there's any carvings on anything. And, you know, anything. Or like loose that. floorboards yeah. you can loose lift floorboards, up. Like, yeah, like I want to see, like, I want to see if anything was bumped in the night. So right. anyway, so, so this is happening. And two years, two years um, earlier on my birthday, um, Two things happen. I got my first, like, you know how, like, Emily gets strange messages or letters in the mail from, I get them too, from the same character. And I, I got that. the first one. I got the first one. It came in this big, it was this poem written about me. And it came in this Freemasonic uh, uh, 33 degree um, folder. And like official, like Mason official stationery. Total Mason, Mason official, but. You could buy those anywhere. So just okay. because it's official, like you could go on eBay and you could buy them. Like, it's okay. not like, so, but, but yes, like, like for whatever stretch, like someone went to that, to that, um, to, to at least the amount of effort in order to buy it from eBay. But I also found out, I also found out this was two birthdays earlier. So this, um, who my great grandfather was because I was always told from my father that his father was an orphan and we don't know the family line. And I was always, I always thought that was strange because I'm like, but it's, 
it's the same last name. Um, but what do you mean he's an orphan? But but that was just like kind of like the history I was told of my of my father's of the Juan last name. And two years ago, I was told who my great grandfather was. Someone sent me a message like this is your great grandfather. And I'm like, how the F do you know that? Because I don't know that. And yeah, and who's the someone who sent you the message? That's another conversation. Do is it someone from your family or is it like no. someone okay. who I know? Okay. Someone with which it's it's there, there's a lot of mist, a lot of like you know I'm uncure, I'm uncertain about a lot of things. But this person sends me like this is who your great grandfather was, and I'm like that's not true. And I went to go verify that it wasn't true, and I was able to verify that it was. Um, it was not a difficult thing to go back a couple generations to, I just took my father, my father's word that no one knows who my great grandfather was. Okay. Did he believe that? Or was he trying to keep a, a dark truth from you? I don't know. Me okay. and my dad are close. Okay. And he's nuts. And so like, it could be anything. And he's, he's, I don't think he thinks that way. Like, okay. I don't think he, like, that would be my, my, my opinion. I would just, I would, uh, if I were to say what I think is the most likely, yeah, I just, I, I just, I don't think he cared. Um, so I was able to go and verify that was my, my great grandfather. Then I was able to go all the way back to the very first Juan in the new world, at least as real as Ancestry.com is. Because there's a possibility everything on Ancestry.com is just made up by the same AI machine that like renders everything. So I'm down with that, but I'm like, it's the most real I got. And right. through Ancestry.com, I was able, like it was maybe four different Ancestry uh, websites. No one had the full story, but I'm pretty good at putting stuff together. I was able to, 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 to find the very first one to come to um, the new world. And this one, he came to Berks County, Pennsylvania in the 1750s. From? Germany. Okay. All right. And I know what Berks County, Pennsylvania is by theory. Like, like I can identify it on a map. But like, I've never been there. And for me, like until like I've actually like breathed the air and felt the ground underneath my feet and so forth, like it's just theory. And so that's how I felt about Berks County. And like, I didn't have that strong of a connection that I'm like, I'm going to go and walk the earth of my ancestors. I just thought it was like a cool sort of story. <laughs> so this house, this house built in the 1790s is in Berks County. And I'm like, huh. I know my, I know my people. And this is my father's line. Remember my Baltimore story started on my mother's line mm -hmm. and my mother's line. They're all from like, they're all Ukrainian. You mean Khazarians? So they're Khazarians. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they all came in like late 1800s, early 1900s, born, like moved to Baltimore, never left Baltimore. Okay. Okay. And so like, that was like the beginning, like that was the beginning when I was in Baltimore. So, <clears throat> so early December, right on my birthday, I go, I go, this guy, <clears throat> excuse me. I go to this dinner party. I find out about the house, the wheels, of my head start turning because I'm still like, you know, I'm figuring out this mystery of this past year. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I just know Berks County PA. 
But I wonder if I go back because a lot there's a lot of information on these ancestry websites. I'm like, and a lot of it comes from uh, like records. I'm like, I wonder if there's any records that say where in Berks County. Mm-hmm. So when I get home, I go and I check. Really wasn't that hard to figure out. And I was able to see when my eight times grandfather was married and where he was buried. And I quickly put that on like the, the Google search map and I put it up against the house I was in. It's about like four miles away. Okay. All right. So then, you know, life is unfolding. Like there's a whole, you know, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that goes on in my life and life was unfolding and blah, 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 this and that. And next thing you know, um, me and this young woman sign a lease on the very house, which was built in 1750s. That's where I'm sitting right now. I'm actually sitting at the table where that, where that dinner table was. And we signed the lease on the 256th anniversary of the wedding, because the wedding was December 27th, 1766. Okay. Right? So, like, that's all I really kind of got right now. But Hold I'm like, up. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold up. Okay. Who plans a wedding for December 27th? Like, that in itself is bizarre. Unless they weren't doing like the Christmas holiday nonsense that we do now then, because that's like a weird no man's land, especially you being the time guy. Like that's kind of a week out of time, but you're inviting people to come celebrate you. Isn't that kind of an odd time? Shotgun wedding? Like what? Why the 27th? So we've got time. We've got space. Apparently he had, it said they had 19 children. And he died at 55. Jesus. Like there's like, I'm trying to do the math. I'm trying to do the math. I'm trying to do the math. I'm trying to like, like, so, so this all happened serendipitously. Like none of this, like on my end, none of this was planned, but like in, in hindsight of like, well, whatever happened after this, like free Masonic, this free Masonic thing last year, which then brought me down to my family, my mother's line to the origins of my mother's line. And then now I am one year later and I'm like, or I'm, I'm living in the house. Like I, I can't say that this is certain, but I've got like an internal, like, I hope, I think it's certain. It's like, like, yeah, there were, there were, there were, there were wands in this house. Likely, very likely. I mean, like, it's like, I don't know how, like, I can't say like, like two to one odds, but I'm like, it's definitely within the realm of possibility. It's definitely within the realm of possibility. Same place, same time frame. I'm here, like, and on this, like, really weird. So let's get into like strange numbers. Like, 256 is a strange number because it's 16 times 16. So if you want to get into like, you know, like, like, you know, like mathematics and rendering and simulation or however the world works, like it's all done on numbers. Well, like 16 is four squared and 16 times 16 is like a cube of a cube, which is a tech, a tech, How do I say that word? Which is tesseract, which is shown as a cube in a cube. I just want to say I'm reminded of our very first conversation where you're like, I'm not a numbers guy. And I'm like, what? You're the numbers guy. (laughs) 
Okay, please continue. We have a All test. Right, so, so it's like, it's at least Tesseract math in my way, in the way I do math, not the way the yeah. SATs do math, in the way Mike does math, in the right. MKWs. Um, right. Synchromistic math. Synchromistic math, synchromistic math. So here I am like on like some sort of like weird, like time space, like intermingle, like everything is kind of like coalescing, at least from a from that sort of narrative sort of thing. Um, and so I'm going to add this one last part and then I'm going to pause because I'm going to let we, we could go and, and see, uh, see where you want to go with this. Um, prior to knowing about that story of, of the Juan lineage, um, because I never knew the Juan lineage because I'd always been told that like your, 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 your grandfather who died before you were born was an orphan. So we don't know his lineage. So I kind of came up, I went looking for my lineage kind of like half ass about five years ago. And I came across a character in history, at least in Wikipedia history, whatever the hell that is. And his name was Johnny Wan, spelled J-O-H-N-N-E-W-A-N-N-E. So there's like there's like two E's on the end of those names, which aren't seen in, in current English. And this right. Johnny this Johnny Wan, um, he had the title of King of the Gypsies. Cool. Okay. Right. Talk exactly. Exactly. So as soon as I heard that, I I like I I linked my wagon onto that. I'm like, all right, that's my lineage. Yeah. And I started like I started like always tongue in cheek, always tongue in cheek. Like you know, I was never like be, I wasn't ever trying to like 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 convince anyone that this is my lineage. But I'm like, yeah, there's I'm 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 the I'm the a descendant of Johnny Wan, and I'll show you like all the information on Johnny Wan. And so Johnny Wan was um, king of the gypsies. Would kind of, in my understanding, is kind of like being like a, a um, the the head of a different mafioso crime family. Mm-hmm. Like it's one of those types of titles. So there's, but they're multiples. There's not just one king. And so he was the king of the Scottish gypsies. And he was, he was, a, he, he, he was protected by the Sinclair family in Roslyn in Scotland. Like this is 1500. So if you know anything about like Roslyn Chapel and the Sinclair family, like, yeah, like I'm the gypsy family that was like under their protection. And he like oversaw all of like, they were like the travelers, the tinkers, like these are what they were on. And Johnny Wan, his father, who had a whole bunch came from a long line. They were all called Faz, F-A-A. And for whatever reason, Johnny Wan came about. I don't know where the Wan name came he was the then the king of the gypsies, and then it said that he was extradited to um, to the Virginia colony in 1650. I'm like, but you just said like I'm reading this in the history book. I'm like, but you said in the seven in the 1550s he was the king in Scotland. How is he sent to to Virginia a hundred years later? Okay, so how are you how are you rectifying that in your mind? I'm just saying like, like I I don't put any real, like I'm like meeting it with the softest kid gloves. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is kind of fun. Like there's something there, but I don't want to lean into it because I see a lot of people lean into things. I'm like, you shouldn't be leaning that hard, my friend.
so much for tuning in to this latest episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. I am reminding slash thanking you to and for <laughs> clicking that subscribe button, for liking, for sharing, for commenting, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As you are receiving any value from my podcast, as you dig it, as you listen regularly, consider supporting me on Patreon and or Locals, where for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of my second half podcast interviews, as well as oodles of bonus content. Your support really goes a long way in supporting me as a journalist and an independent content creator navigate her way through a really crunchy time in terms of free speech. And as you are wanting to learn more about my work in the world, my books, my products, my quantum languaging, coaching, and consulting, you can find me at dannycats.com as well as quantumlanguaging.com. And if you're not down with a membership patronage platform and want to send me one-time donation, You can use the Bitcoin link if it actually appears on your podcast listening platform. You could also send me a one-time donation by way of PayPal at dannycats at pm.me or by way of Venmo where my username is Sadie Bloom. Again, your support means the world and makes a massive, massive difference when it comes to continuing to share this work with the world. Thank you for sharing your sacred attention with me. Thank you for remembering that you are omniscopic amazingness and for having a rockin' day. See you next time, superstars.